The first reading is from Matthew, chapter 12, verses 33 to 37. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good person brings good things out of the good store. Gotta get it. Oops. Stored up in them. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in them. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. The second reading is Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are foolish guides. And if the foolish leave the foolish, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach as it, and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, thoughts that go against God's commandments. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Um, for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned if these are not scripture passages on the topic of communication I don't know what is friends will you pray with me Holy, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts collectively be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the other week, two friends of mine went out to dinner in Newton Center, and it was a rainy night. But they weren't thinking about the rain because they were excited to go to this brand new restaurant that had just opened, and they had been thinking about this restaurant for weeks. So they had dinner on their minds, not drops of rain. And it's in a part of Newton Center where they were usually able to find close-by parking just right outside of that area. 
So they weren't worried about bringing their rain jackets as the rain poured down, because it was just going to be a couple of quick steps from the car into the restaurant. But there was no parking. And this sounds familiar to any of us who have ever tried to park anywhere in the Boston metro area, right? Because just as you get a little bit too confident about your parking skills, all the spots seem to disappear all at once. And anyway, there's no parking, and they end up parking really far away from the restaurant. And as they look through the car for these umbrellas that they thought they had in the car, they realize, oh, we took those out a few weeks ago. But that wasn't going to ruin the evening. So they sprinted into the restaurant, and they enjoyed dinner. But after dinner, after dinner, it was raining really hard. Real sheets of rain, and they got stuck at one of those crosswalks that seems to last forever. And they were just sitting or standing there and they're shivering and they're getting soaked, no raincoats, no umbrella. And just then, a man with one of those huge golf umbrellas, you know, the type that I am talking about, huge, walks up quietly behind them to wait for the crosswalk to change. And this man just quietly and subtly extends his open umbrella to shield my friends from the rain and there were no words exchanged, but my friends knew what he was doing. He didn't cover them from above. He wasn't too pushy. He wasn't in their space. He was just strategically and thoughtfully placing this umbrella between my friends and the direction that the wind and the rain was blowing hardest. And here's what my friend said to me about the experience. She said, I was actually shaking, I was so cold, before that man stretched the umbrella out. But between him blocking the wind and rain and feeling this palpable love from a stranger, I warmed up. And so the three of them just stood there for some time, and then the sign changed, and my friends, they raced to their car. And then when they got to the car, one friend said to the other, that he had overheard some other people walk up behind that umbrella-holding man, and those other people, they had said, excuse me, in an annoyed tone, because the umbrella was slightly in their way. And those people, they didn't see the love in the way that this stranger with this massive umbrella was protecting these people who he didn't even know. But the umbrella man, he held that umbrella and held that space of kindness there, even amidst the judgment of these folks who came up after. So in this act of wordless kindness, this stranger communicated so much, didn't he? He communicated kindness, empathy in this cold and rain, a sense of camaraderie and connection even for this brief shared time. So much of what we communicate among each other is nonverbal. It's not words. It's the looks and it's the glances, the gestures, our body postures, whether our shoulders are open or closed. Even if it is a word or a sound, something uttered from our mouth, it's more than the actual dictionary definition of the word. It's the tone and the pitch and the cadence and more. And all of this and more communicates volumes to those around us. And depending on what book or research study you read, 
Most will say that between 90 to 93, more recently, percent of our communication is nonverbal. And let me tell you, as somebody who stands in front of you all every Sunday morning and says a lot of words, it's always really humbling to read that statistic. Because the truth is, maybe it's more what my presence here makes you feel. And I hope that what that is, that you feel, is loved and affirmed, accepted, challenged, welcomed by God and by community and by your pastor. Maybe that's more important than any word that I ever say from this pulpit. Does my enthusiasm in this pulpit make you want to grow closer to God in your own faith life? Does the way that my voice cracks when I pray the deepest and hardest prayers over there into the microphone, does that make you know that you're not alone when you're struggling? Maybe conveying those feelings is more important than any word that I'll ever say into this microphone. But since I've got this microphone for a few more minutes, I'm going to say a few more words because words are the central focus of this morning's two scripture passages from the gospel according to Matthew in the 12th and the 15th chapters. Jesus has a lot to say about words. The words that we say, where they come from, and what their purpose is. Today's scripture compels us to think about what words we use. When we speak, what is it that we speak into the world? Are we using our words for good or evil, for blessing or cursing? for speaking life into one another, for speaking encouragement and love and grace, for speaking words of healing and resurrection. In our second reading from Matthew this morning, we find Jesus teaching regarding why his disciples do not wash their hands before they eat, breaking customs and social norms. And I admit that as someone who is uh, a little bit over-the-top germ conscious, I would probably find myself not among those agreeing with the disciples' behavior, but instead among those who are looking askance at those non-hand washers. But that's not really the point. The point that Jesus makes in his response is not about eating and hand washing and these technical parts of living. He points us instead to nuance. He points us to relationship. He points us to connection. And he points us to words. And Jesus says this, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart? And from the heart these words proceed, and this is what defiles a person. He's saying that the words that we speak, the words that we speak from our mouths are what we ought to be more concerned about than the food that has perhaps been untouched or has perhaps been touched by some unwashed hands. So Jesus is asking us more broadly to put down social custom or norm in favor of the importance of speaking words of life and of goodness, words from the heart. He says, out of the heart come evil thoughts and the words, thoughts that go against God's commandments. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. From our thoughts come our words. And from our feelings come our words. Which have an effect and an influence on others. So how can each of us this week think critically about the words that we speak? 
perhaps we can challenge ourselves to put just that microsecond pause before some words start tumbling out of our mouths. Perhaps we can set a goal to go out of our way to speak words of encouragement and compassion to our neighbors and friends and strangers. Maybe this week when you're down at Tides and your waiter is running really, really late to bring you dinner, what would it be like to cheerfully say, hey, that's okay, I know it's a busy night and you're doing a great job. When you have a few spare minutes this week, what would it be like to call up your niece or nephew and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm really proud of you and I love you and I'm here for you. And maybe this week when you're behind a young mom at Target or at Market Basket and their toddler is having just like an atomic meltdown holding up the whole line, what would it be like to look and smile and say, hey, we've all been there. You're doing a great job. What would it be like to live out the meanings of today's scripture through intentionally practicing compassion, kindness, and encouragement in the words that we speak to one another? I have a final story for you this morning about words that is perhaps more a story about the importance of considering when we should hold off on words and opt for silence. When I was in my earliest months in ordained ministry, presiding over one of the very first funerals that I ever did, I realized how few words I really needed to say in most parts of ministry. I sat in the church sitting room down in Wellesley with a family grieving the loss of a young adult son, and the death was a tragedy, and the family was ripped apart. And after I had greeted them and we'd exchanged a few pleasantries, and I had expressed my condolences, we sat in this little sitting room with the doors shut in silence. And I felt that internal struggle of whether or not to fill that silence with words, just any words. Because in our society, we're often conditioned to fill silence with words, any words. And I felt the Spirit tell me to just be still in that sacred silence with this grieving family. And so we sat, and into that silence, the mom and the sister and the dad, they told stories one after another. And in response to these stories, I smiled and I laughed and I nodded and I held eye contact and I passed tissues and I breathed and I leaned in, but I did not speak. And when I finally did speak, I spoke the words that were on my heart. I said, Jeffrey was so loved by each of you and Jeffrey is so loved by God and we will do our best to honor. And there was no need for me to philosophize and theologize and try to make meaning for them or give them some sort of pat answers about where their loved one was. There was no need for me to fill the room with words upon words. My job was to bear witness. Bear witness to the love of this family expressed through unbridled grief. My job was to be present and witness. And friends, so often we think our job is to speak, to talk to fill silence and spaces in any place that we enter with words, our words, words upon words, to fix and make clean with our words. But more often than not, when others bear their truth to us, our holy job is to witness and to use our words sparingly. And when we do have words passed through our lips, let them be words from the Holy Spirit. Let them be words from the heart. Let them be words of life and grace, 
Let them be words that are evidence of good fruit, love and truth. One word, two words, three words. Words that are out of the good that is stored up in you. Let goodness and God's love flow out through the words that you speak. Amen.